Here's to health. Here's to health. Here's to health. Hello and welcome to CPOP's monthly podcast. We ask people committed to their communities across Oregon what drives and inspires them in their work. Here's to health. Hello, everyone. This is Kelly Page. I am, for one more week, a regional outreach coordinator with the Community Partner Outreach Program. I'm retiring at the end of this month after 24 years of state service and a bunch of other years doing other things. So uh, Jessica interviewed me for this podcast back in October, so now I am going to be interviewing our newest regional outreach coordinator, and her name is Karina Goikachea, which I'm sure she has to spell all day, every day. You want to spell it for us here? Yeah, it's G-O-I-C-O-C-H-E-A. See? Easy. Goikachea. Um, anyway, she is new to the program. She started in November, October. Uh, September. September 23rd. Oh, Today's exactly sept- three months. Excellent. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to ask her a few questions so you can get to know her. Uh, And tell us your region that you're in charge of as a rock. Yeah, so I have the privilege of being the rock for the beautiful Oregon coast. It's from Astoria all the way down to Brookings, so the entire Oregon coast is my region. Um, And I actually grew up on the Oregon coast, so it's really nice to be able to serve the communities out there. That's wonderful, and what a beautiful region you have. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone's envious of that region. Okay, well, let's uh, start learning a little bit about you. Yeah, let's do it. And so that the partners would would know what you're all about. So um, let's just start out by you telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, growing up, where you went to school, that sort of thing. So I grew up in Astoria, I was born and raised in Astoria in Oregon, and I lived there until I was 18. I have two brothers. My older brother lives in Michigan with his wife, and there's a baby on the way, so that's exciting. Um, And then my younger brother is a senior at OSU, and I actually did my undergraduate degree and master's degree at OSU, and they're both in public health, and then specifically in health promotion, health behavior. (laughs) Then you have found the perfect career. Yes, yeah. (laughs) So that's really great. Um, Okay, um, let's do a few other questions here. Um, What is your favorite thing to do on your day off? Yeah, on my days off, I like to sleep in a little bit, like at least an hour, right? Wake up at 7 instead of 5.30 on the days that I commute up here to Salem. (laughs) Um, And then I also enjoy going on hikes with my fiancé. We hike around Corvallis, really, because there's not a lot of time on the weekends. He's still a student at OSU. Mm -hmm. So local hikes are good. And then making um, more fun meals. So those are more than just, like, rice and chicken and veggies. (laughs) We we do something exciting, usually. Like, this past weekend, we tried to make um, a dish that was gumbo-inspired. It wasn't actually gumbo, but we just, you know, used a couple ingredients that are in gumbo. And I also enjoy going on walks. I mean, being outside, just Mm -hmm. being active, because I don't have that opportunity during the work week. Right. Okay, a lot of driving during the work week. Yeah, a lot of driving. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, what would people be surprised to hear about you? 
Yeah, so I used to really dislike reading most of my life. And then in grad school, you read a lot. So I ended up getting better at reading faster, you know. Um, so I started reading and collecting Agatha Christie books. And I was initially interested by her because I read one of her books in high school and then figured I wanted to start reading for fun, that it might be good to start off with Agatha Christie since I liked her stories before. And it's kind of stuck. Like, it's only been about a year, and I read about 15 of her books, which isn't a ton, but, I mean, it's better for someone who didn't read it all before. Absolutely. Yeah, she's a really fun writer. And uh, I think, you know, sort of... I think, actually, Edgar Allan Poe was considered to be the first... A uh, writer of the t- detective novel mm-hmm. in uh, America, but she's a classic. Yeah, so many twists that yes. <laughs> inspire a lot of you know modern media. Uh-huh. Oh, well, neat. Okay, um, let's see. What skill or craft would you like to master? Yeah, I always, I've, I've always really enjoyed painting for fun, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> um, so I think I'd like to become a better painter. Um, my fiance and I painted a fish once together. Like he did the front half and I did the back half, uh-huh. and we put that like those two together, and that was really fun. And it came out like well because he's very skilled and creative and artsy. So um, the fish actually looked like a fish. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, I'm not very good on my own. Uh, have you tried painting people or just animals? Uh, animals and landscapes. landscapes. Those are a little easier. <laughs> But I'm still not very good. Like, we've also made this um, giant, I guess, painting before, and his half, again, looks great, <laughs> and then mine looks terrible. <laughs> I think that's an interesting concept, though. I've never heard of two people trying to paint together. So yeah. that's a wonderful way to start your marriage, is, <laughs> yeah. you know, becoming an artist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really fun. Well, I'll look forward to seeing your work in uh, art shows oh, around yeah. the co- up and down the coast. I in think a that's while, great. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to do like Chinese brush paintings, but oh, never cool. had the time. But maybe when I'm retired, yeah. I can take up Chinese brush painting. <laughs> okay. Um, what makes you get out of bed every morning? So I've thought about that question a lot before because people ask it all the time. Uh-huh. But... I don't know. There isn't anything that necessarily just gets me. I just am. I'm up and I'm out. Uh-huh. I've never, um, I guess, thankfully ever struggled with finding a reason to get up out of bed. I'm just always excited for the next day. That's great. Um, I also would always be, <laughs> like a lot of the time in college, I'd always be so anxious for the next day that I couldn't even sleep. So Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think when they asked me this question, I said my alarm clock gets me out <laughs> <laughs> And then my dog. I have to deal with my dog. So, okay. Um, well, one last question. Since I'm interviewing you, if you had the chance to interview any one person, mm-hmm. who would it be? I think I would like to interview my grandfather on my dad's side. Um, he passed away before I was before I was ever born. So, I have a lot of questions for him. I hear a lot of different stories that my dad tells us. Um, so it'd be fu- funny or fun to hear, like, you know, his side of the story, his perspective, and if my dad's actually, you know, telling the story the right way. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that would, I know, I, I think back now, and it's like, gosh, I wish I'd asked my grandparents 
more questions about yeah. their lives. Uh, as a kid, you don't really think to do that. Nope, you don't. And then they're gone, and, you know. It's the same thing. My uncle passed away a couple of years ago, and he always said there were these great ghost stories, um, and I would never want to go back to my grandmother's house because all these stories took place there. And then he passed away. I'm like, oh, I never got to hear those stories. Oh, no. So that was, that was a bummer. Is her house still available? Yes. Um, my grandmother's house is still there. But I wanted to hear the stories from his side because sure. he's a big um, exaggerator. <laughs> so I would have liked to, yeah, no. But he said I would never want to go back if I knew the stories. Well, maybe you should do your honeymoon there, and you could, <laughs> you could find out your own ghost story. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'd rather just hear about them. <laughs> okay, well, I think if I were asked this question, I would want to interview uh, President Barack Obama. Oh, Just because one. this work has involved the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. and it's been really important to both of us, all our community partners, yeah. and so many Oregonians. So... I think that's who I'd like to interview, but I probably won't get that chance. (laughs) You might. (laughs) Well, thanks for talking with us and letting us get to know you. And um, if anyone's uh, in the coastal region, you'll be having Karina as your rock. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, you'll just see her driving up and down, up and down the coast. Had a van last time. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be fun. Okay. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to the team. My name is Jorge Martinez. I'm a regional outreach coordinator for the Community Partner Outreach Program. I coordinate the northeast portion of Oregon, which is Morrow, Umatilla, Union, and Wallowa counties. Um, Today we're going to be talking about something a little bit off topic. Um, It's not necessarily related to physical health. Uh, To me, it's more of an emotional, mental, and health-related topic. So, you know, and it relieves stress as well for me. So, um, and that is fishing. Um, You know, I'm not going to get into fishing, the technical side of it, too much. This isn't a tutorial. It's not how to teach you how to fish um, or anything like that. It's simply my story and how I use fishing as a way of relaxing and relieving stress. But it's more just to share my story of where I started fishing uh, and where I'm at now. Um, so in any case, um, I a little bit of history. I started fishing when I was about 16 years old. Uh, I grew up in Umatilla County in a little town called Stanfield, close to Hermiston. And there's a reservoir near there called Cold Springs Reservoir. It's a, uh, it's a man-made dam that they use. They fill it up uh, with water from the Columbia River, um, and then they empty it out during the the summer uh, and into the fall as, as they irrigate crops out in that area. As some of you might know, there there's these, all these mega farms in that area in Umatilla County, Morrow County, uh, in and around Hermiston. Um, so this uh, reservoir feeds that, and needless to say, there's a lot of fish in that 
in that uh, a lot of different types of species of fish in that reservoir. Um, so I learned to fish through my brother-in-law, uh, and it was pretty later. It was later on in life. I didn't really, um, you know, I didn't do it as a kid. We, I didn't come from a fishing family. My parents didn't have the resources to do it. Uh, so my brother-in-law, Leroy, taught me how to fish at the age of 16. He took me out to Cold Springs, and uh, he was an avid fisherman. He'd fished out there all of his life. He was born and raised in Hermiston, and he'd done it all of his life. Um, and he uh, passed that on to me, passed that knowledge on to me. And I was hooked instantly. Um, I just love doing it. Um, I love learning it. I love uh, exploring different techniques, different methods. Um, and I'll continue to do it till the day that I die because when I'm out there, when I have a fish on the end of my line, I feel like, um, I feel like all the stress just melted away. Like the world just melts away and it's just me and the fish. And I, you know, I don't, I don't fish for subsistence. I catch and release everything, um, trout bass, salmon, steelhead, when I do catch them, I, I let them go. I don't target trout and salmon and steelhead anymore, the salmonoid fish, but I do uh, target all of the sunfish and I release them. I release them. I don't, I don't fish to eat. Um, but anyway, I want to, Oregon, you know, it's kind of at a disadvantage in terms of what we can do out here in terms of bass fishing. There are bass out here, uh, but again, you know, we don't, uh, there's, there's not the quantity and there's not the size that you would have in, let's say, California. I think the state record in Oregon for a largemouth is about 12 pounds. In California, it's like 25 pounds, right? And so 15-pound fish in California are a dime a dozen. You know, you can catch them in places like Clear Lake. You can catch fish that push 20 pounds, you know, and and people do it. And the same thing with Texas. You know, they don't get quite as big in Texas, but, um, you know, Alabama, you have massive fish down south in general. Being Mexican, I want to fish in Mexico at some point. In the northern states, um, you know, of Sinaloa and Sonora, they have really good fisheries in those areas. A lot of Americans, Japanese people, um, you know, people from all over the world that are interested in bass fishing uh, really uh, target uh, Mexican, northern Mexico uh, as a destination. Uh, obviously, the Amazon, um, you know, I. I, that's that's something that that I've learned as well. It's not just how to fish, but just the co the culture of it. Bass culture, bass fishing culture is very special, very unique, um, and very uh, committed. Um, you know, I oftentimes spend you know six, seven, eight hours on the weekend. I'll spend that much time trying to catch just one fish and. You know, when you're targeting the big fish, sometimes you come home empty-handed, and that's just what you have to tell yourself, you know, that you have to go out with that mindset that I may or may not catch a fish today. But uh, my personal best bass has been four pounds, like four and a half pounds, um, and it was a massive fish. I couldn't imagine catching a 10-pounder. I just couldn't. Um, and I don't need to catch the big ones to have fun. My favorite fish to catch in the whole world is a smallmouth bass, uh, something that's half a pound, not even a pound, on really light tackle, a small rod and reel, light light line, a small lure. And I love being close to the water. Um, so anyway, that's that's my story. I'm hoping to, to explore the world, uh, go to Japan maybe one day. The Japanese are, are some of the best bass fishermen in the world. I think the world record is held by a Japanese man, a 25 pound bass. 
um, in Japan. Uh, so they're avid bass fishermen as well. Gary Yamamoto has won the Masters Classics, and you know he made the 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 Senko stick bait, the Yamamoto Senko, which uh, is basically like this worm. Uh, it's a five six inch long uh, stick worm. It's a soft plastic, and and fish find it irresistible. I've caught um, I caught my personal best on a Yamamoto Senko. So. Um, Anyway, uh, just so much to talk about, so much to explore uh, in terms of bass fishing. And, you know, as I, as I develop, uh, right now I've, I've kind of slowed down because of the winter. I haven't caught a bass for about a month now. But uh, certainly, you know, when March starts rolling around, end of February, I'm going to get out there and start targeting the bass again. And hopefully I'll have a boat by then. I plan on getting one here in a couple of months. Um, just a small boat, nothing major. I don't need a bass. I don't need a skeeter or whatever, you know. I, I just need a nice little John boat with a nice little motor on it um, or a pond prowl or something small. Just a one, two-person boat that will get me out there. That's all I need. Thanks for listening, folks. Um, that's all I have for you today. Um, if you ever want to go fishing with me, I travel out to eastern Oregon a lot, and I fish in the Hermiston area. I fish the Columbia River. I fish the Willamette. Um, you know, I fish all over Oregon. I want to start going down by the California border because that's really where the big bass are at in Oregon. But um, reach out to CPOP, get my email, send me an email. I would love to come bass fishing or just fishing in general with any of you. Um, so I hope you found this interesting and useful. Again, it's not, it wasn't a tutorial. It was just my own experience and my thoughts off the top of my head. So I hope you found it interesting and uh, we'll see you when we see you. Thank you. Have an idea for the podcast? Want to share your story? Reach out to us at community.outreach at state.or.us.